at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them. So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. My name is not Aaron. It is, in fact, Robert. I'm one of the two editors at SifPop.com, and today I'm joined by SifPop writer Chantel. Hello. We're here today to talk about some of the biggest movie releases of February 2023. We'll be talking about 80 for Brady, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Cocaine Bear, Knock at the Cabin, Magic Mike's Last Dance, and Your Place or Mine. And we each have one extra movie that we'd like to bring up towards the end. Time codes are in the episode description if you only want to hear us talk about certain movies. And we won't be discussing spoilers, so you're safe there. Lastly, we'll, eat, we'll be rating each of these movies on the classic Sif Pop scale of like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay. So with that, let's get into these movies. Uh, we're going to go alphabetically, uh, alphanumerically actually, because the first movie starts with a number, which is 80 for Brady. Um, if I'm correct, you didn't get to see this one, right? Unfortunately, I did not have a chance to get to see this one. Okay, so that's fine. I'll go over this quickly then. If you see the trailer for this, it, I think yeah. you know exactly what you're getting into. Um, it's got Lily Tomlin, um, Rita Moreno, Sally Field, uh, Jane Fonda is the, is the last actress. There are these four ladies in their 80s, and as Sally Field likes to point out, in her 70s, they love Tom Brady, and they want to get to the Super Bowl to see him play. Uh, right. It's kind of just like a little mini road trip comedy, but like not with Bradley Cooper and Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover, but four sweet old ladies it kind of devolves at some points into jokes like hey isn't it funny that they're old you know like there's jokes about hearing aids and stuff like that but besides that i really thought this was a lot of fun and i would say i'm on the low side of like it um i haven't looked at looked at the box office results for it but i think this is the same audience for a man called otto i think it's going to be a big hit or it, it probably has been a big hit for the type of people who would love to go see that um it's fun it's innocent if you like sports movies it even has some of that so before we move on to something we've both seen i just want to see is there anything you're wondering about any questions you had in case you were thinking of seeing it at some point um i actually did have a question um i was just wondering was there anything that surprised you about the movie at all when you seen it yeah i was honestly surprised that it wasn't all of like the hey look we're old type of humor that it (laughs) wasn't all just like very cringy and um i don't know just cringy is probably the best word because i that's all i was expecting i was not expecting to enjoy it but at the end of the day i really really did um you know it's not going to be in the top 10 20 30 at the end of the year but it's definitely worth a watch if you want something light yeah so i think with that we can move on pretty 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 quickly let's move on to probably the biggest movie of the month and that is ant-man and the wasp quantumania yes since I've been doing some talking, I'm going to let you go first. What was your thought on that, uh, your rating on that scale and some of your initial thoughts on the movie? Ooh, um, with Ant-Man, um, with the quantum, um, quantum mania. Um, at first, I, I, I guess you could say I was kind of like on the low bar with it. I just didn't expect it to be some big spectacular like we have been seeing with the Marvel mm-hmm. films. Um, with Ant-Man, he's not like my favorite favorite, but I wouldn't say he was my least favorite. Like I was still, I I still go and see the movies just because I wanted to see um, if it would be better than the others. But with yeah. Quantum, you know, Quantum Mania, it kind of like fell flat for me. Um, for a movie that was like two hours long, I felt like it was longer than it should have been. Um, I was kind of like getting hit with fatigue. And that was kind of like disappointing because I love Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. And then on mm. top of that, you have Jonathan Majors, who I've like fought, like fell in love with. And so having him as Kang, I was like very, very excited. But it yeah. was just almost a little disappointing because I was like, we, I was kind of expecting more of him compared to when he was introduced in Loki. Um, but I mean, it was still a little bit more, but still like not enough. Um but I think like my favorite thing about it was is that it was fun. It wasn't try it was trying to be serious in some points, but it still 
had that silly, you know, had like that silly feel to it. And it was still kind of comical, just like the other two. Uh, so to me, I just felt it just, I don't, I guess, I don't know how to explain it. I guess it just, it was just so-so. It was so-so. And I guess with Kang, I was kind of like looking forward to him being like the baddest of the bad. And he did start off at that. But I think I was kind of let down with the scene where it's like, oh, he's just shooting like lasers out of his hands. I was like, that's right. it. I was like, there was like nothing else. I was expecting like more like dramatical, you know, more dramatics. Like, and mm-hmm. we ended up, it, it kind of like fell short. When you say you felt fatigue, is that Marvel fatigue or like fatigue of this movie in particular? I think it's, ooh, um, I think it might be a little bit of both. Okay. Um, because I do, I, I am a fan of Marvel. Like I love Marvel, like just through and through, but it's like, I think they're kind of like running out of steam because we're so used to like how like the infinity saga, like how everything was like, of course everything's interconnected, but it's just, mm-hmm. it seemed like they had like that plan already laid out for the infinity saga. And now that we're like in the multiverse era is like, now they're kind of like just throwing stuff together. And it's like, it's like, I get that they're trying to come up with like, Oh, everything's going to come together. But I just think it's just very quick, very messy. And it's like, they're not thinking it through. I I definitely agree with you there because I, I had a lot of the same thoughts as you. It sounds like you might be a little bit higher on it than me overall. Mm -hmm. Um, I think overall, I thought it was low side of okay. Um, Okay. Based on how people were talking about it on Twitter on the days leading up, I thought this was going to be like an absolute train wreck travesty, the worst thing I've ever seen. It's really not. I don't think it is at all. No, Um, it's not. My main problem is that there are lots of jokes, but I legitimately didn't find any of them funny. Um, I rarely laughed. Yeah, because I saw it again last night and Mm. I, I just didn't. And I was just like, okay, I'm like, I'm thinking that was supposed to be funny and I'm like, it wasn't funny. And I got that. Like when I saw it the first time too, I was just like, okay. I was like, that was a joke, but I'm like, it just didn't hit. And it's Mm -hmm. like, they kind of like missed some of their marks. I was like, yeah, there are some parts that were like funny. And then I felt like sometimes they were like trying too hard. For me, that's what like the, how many holes do you have? Like that kind of. Exactly. Seems you're (laughs) like, you're trying way too hard. And Bill Murray, um, recent stuff that's come to light aside he's a comedic legend but he's also just terrible in this exactly and i was like kind of like i almost i literally forgot that he was in it until he Mm. like appeared when they showed him like for the first time and i was like i was like he was in i literally thought he was in guardians of the galaxy but i like had the (laughs) movies mixed up so that's why i was like Oh, I was like, he's not in this. I was like, he's not in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's in Ant Man, and I feel like they like squandered him too. But like mm-hmm. after you said, with like everything that's been coming out of you know into the light for him, I'm just like, well, like I that's gonna be the last time we see him anyway. So yeah, <laughs> so I wouldn't be okay. surprised if they edited his role down a little bit because of that. Yeah, um, I do want to say though, like to give it some props that I really did feel the family through line all the way through. Yes. Um, I I wasn't expecting to feel like any sort of emotional core. And I'm not saying like I cried at the end or anything like that, but right. I, I think it, it really did continue that all the way through. Um, and even when the jokes weren't landing and even when the CGI was terrible and the action was terrible, yeah. um, I, I got all of that. Um, and I wrote on Letterboxd that I think Paul Rudd is in way over his head, uh, leading <laughs> an epic movie like this or what's trying to be an epic movie just doesn't right. work he served well in the first two ant-man movies that are kind of like these crime capers and he's just he can be silly with his friends and even when he's like oh captain america you're great in civil war whichever one that is that that one really works well right but when he has to introduce kang and go up against jonathan majors who is acting circles around literally everybody in this movie <laughs> It's it's just tough to see because I I love Paul Rudd. It's just tough to I see do, him. I do. I, I'm, I'm such a fan of Paul Rudd, and just is like trying to see him be like I'm an Avenger. Like he's like I I did this and I did that, and it's like 
okay, we get that, but you didn't do that alone either. I'm like, you yeah. actually had the Avengers with you, helping you take down Thanos. So for him, it was it was it was like a tall order for him to like to compete in. That's why with the whole fighting scene, I was just like, how does he think that he can actually take on Kang? And I'm like, okay, you got Paul Rudd. And then it's like, you got Jonathan Majors. And I'm just like mm-hmm. looking like at the both of them. And I'm just like, if Scott Lang thinks he can actually take on Kang, it's like, he's nuts. It's like, he's crazy to think that. That's why I almost felt like that whole scene was just like not believable, like at all. Like I felt like he could have like just demolished him and it would have just been the end of Ant-Man. Do you do you mean the scene towards the end or where they're talking like in the cell? Um, I would say towards well, I think with both, because I think okay. the way like with Kang, like when he's explain like he's telling him, like, you do not wanna like you don't wanna double cross me because it's like he mm-hmm. it's like you believe every single word he is saying and that he's telling him like I will, you know, I will hurt your daughter. Like, I will kill your daughter if you do not do this one thing for me. And like at that moment, I was just like, okay, like he, you can tell like, okay, like this guy is like serious. He's crazy. Like, I can't, I can't jeopardize like my daughter's life this way. Like, so it's like he felt it too. So at the end, even more so when he was like, we had a deal, you went against your word, but it's like, yeah, he's like showing like that rage and anger because of a father it's coming from a father, but still to mm-hmm. me, I don't think it was enough for him to be able to take out Kane. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely, <laughs> I definitely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't really utilize the Ant-Man powers either. Right. You know, it it, that's kind of what you would expect when he, I don't remember in one of the previous movies, didn't he shrink down and was it like in the Hulkbuster suit or something like that? I know exactly what you're talking about. It was it was in Civil War when he was in Ant or not Ant Man, in <laughs> Iron Man suit. He like when he shrunk down and he went into his suit and like start pulling the wires. Right. It's like that's creative. That's fun. Yeah. And it like you were saying, it's kind of just shooty shooty. You know, punchy punchy. At the end of this one, exactly. And it's like, <laughs> we know that there's more. The scene where they're first going down to the quantum realm and he's bumping up against all the little items and everything. That's where I was like, okay, maybe this could be all right. Yes. You know, it kind of loses that steam almost immediately. It it does. And that part to me, it was like really exciting, like seeing them like shrink down and like just keep going through like level after level after level of the quantum realm and only for it to kind of like just, and it's like, I don't, I don't want to agree from what I like what I saw on Twitter and like of course being a Star Wars fan it did yeah. sense feel like like most of the characters like some of the scenery like it felt like a Star Wars film but just not as good as Star Wars but <laughs> but I can see what they mean like oh it felt like Star Wars I mean I get that from like the look and everything but just not that kind of I guess you could say like level I was I definitely was thinking the same thing when I was watching it it felt like a space movie and yes. I don't know how to tell the quantum realm apart from space. It, exactly. It's like make yourself distinct a bit. Um, before we move on, I do want to hit on that that scene um, between Kang and Ant-Man in the cell. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's where I was like, holy crap, Jonathan Majors, like you were saying, is just on a whole other level than everyone else in this movie. He's amazing. Not only is he acting on a whole other level, I think... The writing for him is better too. Like I, I his, it is too as well. His monologue, it's still cheesy Marvel schlock, but he elevates yeah. it and makes it believable and makes it sinister and makes it scary. Meanwhile, Paul Rudd is just kind of like, don't hurt my daughter. And it's just like <laughs> Exactly. They're in and two I, different scenes when they're going back and forth, it feels like. Right. And I and and to me, when you said like he's like on a whole nother level, I felt to me like the way he carries King, it was almost Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, and it's like going against like Shakespearean and like the, you know, the comedic, it, you know, the, the comic, it, like it almost didn't, they worked together, but it was just like, it just didn't hit, you know, it didn't click as like yeah. I wanted it to. But it was still like their performances are still good, but just like on different levels. So that's all I have for him. And is there anything, any last notes, any last thoughts you wanted to say before we move on? Um, I'm just ready for the next one with Kang. <laughs> yeah. See, see if he gets in a better movie next time. Yes. I also, last thing I'll say is that I think Michelle Pfeiffer 
is the only other one who's doing anything legitimately yeah. good in this she movie. Was so, she was good in like with like the scenes with her and Jonathan as well. Like the, mm-hmm. their yeah, scenes exactly. were amazing. Like they were really, 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 really good together. Yeah, for sure. So let's move on to yeah. a very different type of movie. Let's yes. talk about Cocaine Bear. Yes. Um, <laughs> Cocaine Bear, I have to say, I got to see this with three other Sif Pop writers in New York City. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm for this one. I think I'm on the high side of like it. Uh, the thing with this in the trailers, it seems like this is going to be the most fun that you're going to have at the movies this far in the year. You know, it like, it's a, it's a bear on cocaine. You just want, you just want it to be crazy. You just want it to be off the wall, but I think it spends too much time on like the cocaine, if that makes sense. Like, I think it's I, I, more yeah. cocaine than bear. And I wanted really that, that ratio to be the other the other way. Started out really, like, I loved how it started off. It's like, you see the guy, like, just dumping out of the, like, cocaine. And mm-hmm. he's like, and he is, like, having, like, you know, the greatest time in the world. And he's, like, trying to jump out. But then it's like, he knocks himself out completely. And then, you know, like, the story just goes from there. And so yeah. I was like... I was enthused, but like you said, I feel like it just carries on more about the cocaine than it does about the bear. Like when the kids are like out walking around trying to find the waterfall and then it's like, oh, like they find like, like a case of it. And then it's, and we don't really see the bear so much as much as I wanted to see it. Um, I thought it was going to be a little bit more, uh, I thought it was going to be gorier. I'm, I'm like mm, the gorier the really? better for me. <laughs> for me because i'm like you're you're messing with like a two-ton bear like in yeah. the woods high off cocaine like literally cocaine bear that's there's like there's like no twist no nothing is literally that's what it is is so i just felt that it was just like one of those 80s comedy drug filled spoof of a movie it wasn't trying to be serious it was just making fun of those kind of films back in the day and um, and to me, I didn't feel like the characters didn't really like really matter that much just to a point to give you the story, but not enough to be like, oh, wow, like the performers were amazing. I just thought that mm-hmm. the Bears performance was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just to be, it's just crazy to think like for something to be like, in, like based off like a true story, like did like, is this the kind of stuff that actually like did a bear actually like go rampant in like a, in like a woodsy area and just high out cocaine is just it's just to me it was like mind-boggling and i was just mm-hmm. like it just made me want to go see it and it was like there were some scenes where it was just like oh my god like that's gross but oh my god like some were like fun some were just like okay that's not believable but i'm like but i mean this movie's not really believable and that's what makes yeah. it such of a wild time to have i mean like people are expecting to see some like tour de force like performance from someone it's like no it's like you're just here to just have a good time. And that's what it is about movies is just going to have a good time. And I yeah. and I had a good time with this movie. Apparently the bear in real life just died after it did all the cocaine. <laughs> so I don't think there's a giant rampage. Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> On in a certain level, sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad no one got mauled by a bear, but <laughs> true. I I think I'll disagree just a little bit where you say there's not like a lot of character development. I would say there's a little bit too much character development. Um, I I think they spend too much time with like the relationship with the mother and the kids and um, the Alden Ehrenreich character wanting to to please his dad and all that kind of stuff. I'm just like, yeah, right, this... the, whole, the whole breakup with his like his girl or the death of his girlfriend or wife or I think it was something like that. I'm not yeah. <laughs> completely sure. Yeah, and I that's, was <laughs> that's where I was just like. Just go into the woods and run away from the cocaine bear. That's all that I'm here to watch. Right. Um, having Ray Liotta trying to get his cocaine back so that he's not on the hook to the cartel. It's like, that's a different movie and it could be good, but right. it it's kind of a little bit too out in left field for this one. What yeah. I do enjoy is anytime the bear is on, on screen, like the, yeah. the stuff at the, uh, at the gazebo and the stuff at like the wildlife you know that greeting center that's all really really great and it's gory like you were saying um that's all really good and when the comedy mixes in with there it takes it even higher to the next level it really does like it like you were saying like the whole gazebo scene like 
with the cop at the top of the gazebo and he's like trying mm-hmm. to figure out a way how to get down and and then it's like they're stuck in the spot because it's like the bear had you know passed out like trying to find we <laughs> trying to find a cocaine and he's like on top of the guy which i'm sorry he should have like died because i'm oh, like for sure that bear is like too heavy and he should have suffocated but, but that's what kind of made it even better it's like yeah. oh they're like passed out oh it just need a little bit more cocaine to come back out like so that part to me was great and of course like the scene when they were like at the welcome like you were saying like at the welcome center like with the whole scene where she the i guess you could say the um what do you call them they're like the um officer the, the rangers yeah thank you the park rangers um like when she was like the bears outside and like the the door opens and she takes that shot, but it wasn't like the best of shots. Mm-hmm. That part was great. And then like the whole scene with the ambulance and like the bear, like jumping from like, from like uh, just from running and just full speed into like the, uh, into the ambulance. Like that whole scene to me, was just it was like insane, but it was also funny at the same time, like trying to figure out if they could like survive the bear, which of course nobody is going to survive a brown bear. It was a brown, a brown bear. I think it was a black bear. Black bear. Um, yeah. Either way, bear. A bear is a bear. I'm like, you can't survive a bear, especially but, on cocaine. Exactly, especially on cocaine. That's like the worst thing ever. And I think, I think my favorite thing about the movie is like the trailer when they did the um, what was it? It was like the little needle drop of white lines. I I like mm. I love that. It's like I just love it because it fit perfectly. Yeah, like and like you're saying those scenes like the ambulance scene and visitor set of the gazebo all of that is when the movie is at its best and where i'm like wishing that it was doing that more like that i'm not gonna say exactly what happened so people can go watch for themselves but that some of that gore in the ambulance scene is not what i was expecting going in but it really really works for the tone um it works out perfectly i think most of the cast is also doing good work um for what it is yeah, they do. Uh, I can't remember the police officer's name, the one standing on the gazebo, the actor's name. Um, oh, my God. I, I prefer the life of me. It's like I know a face, but it's like I cannot remember his name for the life. But he does an amazing job as the officer. Yeah, like, uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., yeah. Um, okay. Him, and like I said, Alden Ehrenreich is great, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. is also oh, really yeah. good. Uh, I like I like the three of them and their dynamic. Um, they were good. But, and I love the kid who played Henry. The kid who played Henry was pretty good, too. Mm. So I'm just going to come right and say I've never done cocaine, but I would think okay. that that oh, yeah, much no. cocaine <laughs> as kids, that's going to do a lot more than what happens. Yeah, <laughs> I think that should have like took them out. Like, I that's why I'm just like, I'm surprised that they actually did it and they didn't have like any kind of like effects on them. Yeah. I was that that scene was like funny, but at the same time, you're stretching my my suspension of disbelief. Exactly. Do you have any final thoughts on Cocaine Bear? I'm gonna say if, if you haven't seen Cocaine Bear, I'm like, please go and see it. And it's like it will just have a good time. Yeah, that, that's probably the best way to put it. It's a nice breezy, like 95 minutes. Mm-hmm. If you can stomach some minor gore, then yeah, you'll have a yeah. good time at the movies. <laughs> so now that we're about halfway through. Um, I just want to give you a chance to send people to any social media, anywhere that you want them to go. Uh, if they yeah. want to hear more from you. Of course. If you guys want to follow me in a bunch of my nonsense, you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter. My handle is going to be underscore Akira XO. And also if you want to follow some more dribble, my letterbox is also will be Edna mode. And that's all one word. That's impressive that you were able to secure that username on Letterboxd. I know, right? Because I actually had somebody reach out to me and was like, hey, can I get that username oh, really? off of you? And I was like, no. I'm like, that's, that's all mine. <laughs> I've had it for like almost 10 years. I'm like surprised that I've had it for this long. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. And for me, Twitter also underscore Rob's thoughts. And if you want to also on Letterboxd, nonsense as well, Robert's thoughts. Let's move on to our next movie then. Knock at the Cabin, the latest M. Night Shyamalan flick. Yes. Um, what did you think? Um, at first, I was kind of at the low, like at the low aspect of like enjoying this movie because um, M. Night Shyamalan has been kind of like hits and misses for me. And I like loved M. Night Shyamalan like ever since The Sixth Sense. And so mm-hmm. for 
for me, I just didn't want to get my hopes up because after seeing old, I was just like, at first I was just like, oh, I'm like not feeling it. And that movie took me a few times to like, to actually appreciate it. But with Knock mm. at the Cabin, I actually, I did enjoy this film for what it was for. Um, to me, like it didn't take, it didn't take long for me to figure out what they were talking about. And so for me, I thought that the moments that they had in there when it was like the first moment when they had approached the house and then when they got into the house, like they like had me entertained. Like I was like stuck in my seat. Like I wanted to see what the outcome was going to be. I was kind of like, I was kind of like hoping for like the outcome to be a little bit different than what it was for the ending, but I still did enjoy it. It was just to me, it was just like a so-so script for like humanity, love and like sacrifice. And like with the four characters, you kind of pick up who they are, like what they like represent and understand like what they are trying to like get the family to understand like the dire like meaning of like what's going on right now in the world. Like this is going to happen if you don't sacrifice someone in your family, like you will end the entire world. To me, I thought that was kind of wild. Like how can Mm -hmm. you put that much pressure on like three people to be like, Hey, like, one of you had to die or the whole world is going to end. Like to me, I'm just like, uh, someone needs to make up their mind. Like who's going to die because I don't want to be like left on a world by myself with just, with just two other people. Like, I don't know if I will be able to make it without like having that connection. And I think that's what it right. is. It's like, they're trying to get them to understand like, like nurturing, like the guidance and like the love and like what you experience as like, a you know, as a human being and just getting them to understand like, what we're going through is more than is more than just you it's on everyone and i did like really enjoy that a lot and with this film with like the with the act like the performances like with with dave batista with him being such yeah. a like you know like a giant but he's he was a gentle giant and he mm-hmm. was just like the way he was um talking with the young girl um at the beginning of the movie when he was uh talking what i think her name was was it ren i think uh when when that's what it was and when he was like talking to win and like he was so personable and like the little girl just kind of like gravitated to him like she didn't feel afraid she didn't feel scared when she was talking to him to me on the other hand if i was her and i saw this big man walking towards me i would be spooked like oh yeah especially with like all the tattoos and everything and she didn't even flinch like she just he was just very calm with her and just made her like trust him enough to where he can get himself into that house with three other people. And that's what I loved about his role because he, he just knew how to kind of like finesse his way into this house, even though it was by force, it was still, he knew how to get his way into the house and it was through the little girl. Right. And so, and I did, I, I did appreciate everybody else's performance, but I think it was just, him just being very gentle and not being like all aggressive and just full of rage. He, he just felt like a very fleshed out human being. And he was just trying to get them to realize like, you need to figure this out or the world will, will perish. I I'll be honest. Um, I've been late to the Dave Bautista hype train um, mm-hmm. because you know, he's good in Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's not right. particularly a layered role. And Blade Runner yeah. 2049, he's good in that, but it's like a short role. Yeah. And besides that, I'd seen him in like Stuber, which is, you know, nothing to write <laughs> home about. Right. But after the last couple months of Glass Onion and now Knock at the Cabin, I, I think I, I'm starting to get it. Um, yes. Because like you're, like you're saying, I don't have much to add to what you're saying about Dave Bautista, but like you're saying, he's got that gentle giant feel to him and he's um he has a lot of compassion and empathy which comes as a result of the gentle giant but it's just really impressive how he brings it out um especially as someone who's originally known as a wwe wrestler you know exactly Um, so just just to see him do this role and knock it out of the park i uh i think he does really really great work and he and like you said he's easily the best performance in the movie yeah. Very soft spoken and just like he never raises his voice. He's very just he's always calm. And it's like and it's crazy like how calm he is and with like all the choices that are made throughout the movie until like the very end. I'm just like I was kinda like an awe because I was just like, 
with something that like drastic, it's like, how are you? Like, he's just very steady, like not unwavering. Like it, you could tell it's like something that's like turning inside of him, but it's like, he still just keeps it cool, calm and collected. And as opposed to something like guardians of the galaxy or yeah. even Dune, where he like uses yeah. his physicality to be big and imposing and scary. Yeah. He like uses his physicality in a whole other way in this where that's still looming just because of he's naturally that size right. but at the same it's, time he doesn't like like flaunt it he doesn't say like threaten you with his with his imposing size so that's part of what makes his performance so great yeah i also really like um how like you were talking about the themes it's the best of us like the best of humanity is yes. this couple making the difficult choice for the good of mankind um right. I'm not going to say what the difficult choice is, but the fact that they have to make it in the first place um, and the fact that they're the ones to do it when they've been beaten down literally and figuratively as gay men. um, They've been hated against violently, uh, passive aggressively, all this type of stuff their entire life, but they've still kept their integrity, kept who they are, stayed as, yeah, exactly. Stayed as like loving people. Um, and li- raising a daughter who's obviously very friendly, kind, and sweet in her own type of way. Exactly. Um, I just love that they're the ones at the center of this. That um, It's not fair, but that's kind of yeah, what Shyamalan is talking about with the movie. Yeah. Which I love the most. is like, it's just a family just out like in a cabin, just trying to get away from, you know, away from life and reality and just trying to enjoy one another before going back into reality, only for it to be thrust back onto them when these four strangers come into this house. Yeah, it's it's really well done, and it um, deals with a lot of the same themes that a lot of other Shyamalan movies deal with, which yes. is like faith and humanity and exactly. what makes us human and that sort of thing. Which um, I hope. Yeah, oh, me too, for sure. Um, and while we're on the topic of Shyamalan, I just love his direction even though at times the movie doesn't always work for me because in movies like this where there's a a central question that's at the heart of it at a certain point that i'm i'm just kind of like all right give me the answer so i can pay attention to everything else right and it kind of gets distracting after a certain point and that's where it got for me but at the same time like the framing of and the camera movements are just insane um like the close-ups in that first scene that you're talking about between yeah. Dave Bautista and the little girl are crazy. <laughs> and it really um, is. it's just really impressive. And it's not, it's, I don't want to say it's surprising anymore from Shyamalan, but it's just consistently impressive that he's able to pull off his distinct visual style um, in all of these different types of stories. Same. He, he does a phenomenal job. I'll give him that. I want to see Dave Bautista in more of these kind of films. Like, I just want to see him play somebody gentle. No more physicality. I just want him to just be like, you know, your normal kind of guy just walking down the street. It seems like with Guardians of the Galaxy ending, he really wants to do like work with good directors and work with interesting filmmakers. So I I wouldn't be surprised if we see more stuff like this going forward. Which I'm like, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, me too. I also want to see more Rupert Grint, who we haven't mentioned. Um, Same. Like, of course, he, Harry he's Potter. really good on servant. Yeah. Yes. Like he's my, my favorite, you know, Ron Weasley. Like I been a fan ever since. And so like, and I totally forgot that he was in this movie because he, mm. he plays like a role that I'm not used to seeing him in. And I have to check out severance. Like I really do because I know that it's like, or not severance, sorry, servant. servant I'm like, yeah. I, yeah. I'm like, I know I have to catch that because I, I forgot that he was in that too. And so I almost wasn't surprised to see him in this movie because I knew he was on the show servant. And mm-hmm. so, but he was very good for the short time we did have him for. Um, I was kind of like looking forward to him a little bit more and like to hear him more so like, lose his accent in like the carry on American one is like you almost forget that he is British it's like he kind of like loses himself for that little short period of time and I just wish we could have had more fun with his character just because of mm-hmm. like the way he came in it was it was the way you would have thought like Dave Batista's character would have came in and it was right like, yeah that's it <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it yeah, I, I love Rupert Grint also, especially after Harry Potter and now Servant and, and this. 
Um, as of now, I should say Knock at the Cabin is my number one movie of the year. It kind of, I liked it a lot, but it's also indicative of how <laughs> mediocre the rest of the year has been. Um, and speaking of, I'm going to move on to <laughs> Magic Mike's Last Dance. Um, this is, You didn't get to see Magic Mike's Last Dance. Unfortunately, no. The only okay. one I've seen was the very first one, and I think that was enough for me. That's fair enough. I still think that one is easily the best. Um, yeah. Because at this point in Magic Mice Last Dance, Channing Tatum doesn't really look invested. Uh, he looks bored in a lot of the movie. Um, That's not good. No, and I, I like Channing Tatum most of the time, but hey. I don't I don't really know what he was going for here. Um, in the first movie, like you, like the one that you said mm-hmm. that you've seen, he has a personality. He has, he has a drive. He has a goal. Um, right. I'm not saying that he needs to get out of the lifestyle that he's in or out of like the line of work that he's in as a male stripper, but that's what the character wants to do. And at the end of that movie, he gets out of it and is able to get the financing for his new business. And then... Yeah. It, the next two movies kind of just abandoned that in favor of doing more stories with the character. And it none of it really rings true to me because of how the first movie ends. And yeah. his personality is so far gone here in Last Dance. He seems more like just like a stripper superhero in a way who, you know, <laughs> like he's he had this is his superpower. And that's the one thing about him that he's just so good at it. Um, right. And it's just, it's, anything else yeah it's kind of disappointing no. um i will say though there's an extended f- finale in this one that's about 45 minutes long it's a choreographed dance or a choreographed uh performance um from a from a group of uh performers that goes on okay. for like 45 minutes and it's really really good and soderbergh directs it really really well um it's just that Maybe if it comes to HBO Max, I'll watch that part again. But I don't really want to sit through the first two thirds of the movie to get to that uh, okay. anymore. That was going to be my question. I was like, was it even worth my time seeing? If you've seen the second one, it would be worth it to just like finish out the trilogy. But if you yeah. didn't even watch the second one, it, I don't think it would be worth it to to uh, go and watch the third. Though the second one has big time defenders of which I am not one. Um, (laughs) duly noted (laughs) so I think with that that's enough on Magic Mike let's move on to our last movie um, before our our last couple and that's Your Place or Mine the Netflix original rom-com starring Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon you actually reviewed this one for the site I did (laughs) if people read the site they'll know your strong opinions on it but how about you restate them for us here all right. Well, with this movie, um, your place or mine. Um, I, I, I know. Like my first sentence in my review was, "I'm not a fan of rom coms," which is a lie. I actually mm. am a fan of rom coms. I wasn't a fan of this rom com. Um, I just felt like it. To me, it just felt like it's a story that we've heard before. It's like two best friends they it's like they live like by coast or they live you know by coastal like one lives in new york the other lives in la um reese with a spoon her her character she's a mom and then you have ash kusher he's like a bachelor and it's like in it's like they just live like two different lives but it's like they but they are really connected to one another and it's like they bond really well but then it's like oh they're considered best friends but they still don't know a lot about each other. And then it's like a whole thing with her having like a love interest and then him like taking care of her kid. And then while she's like away and it's just like a bunch of stuff that was just going on that I was just like, this is kind of cringy. Um, their acting to me wasn't really believable. Like their chemistry just didn't nope. like seem real to me like at all, especially at the ending at the end of course when they finally realized that they're they're for each other and i was just like that whole scene in the airport where they're like going back and forth and i'm just like am i supposed to believe this argument is like really real and that you two are like are like so oblivious to being in love with each, with each other 
that it took you like over 20 years to figure that out. And so to me, it was just, it kind of felt like sleepless in Seattle is, but it just doesn't create like that same spark. Like we're supposed to believe that they can communicate by phone or like FaceTime. But like I said, it's that lack of chemistry that hurts the film like so much. Like their conversations are just like not hitting. And it's just, I don't know if it was like something that they had to, like they had like a contract, like a contract, like obligated that they had to do a movie, <laughs> they had to do a movie together. I don't know what it was, but I just felt like they could have just left this one alone and we would have been fine without it like i i just didn't i just couldn't connect with this movie like at all and especially when they like kind of like threw in a love interest for her just for them mm-hmm. to like get her to realize like oh like this may be the guy for me but then i have like this other guy waiting for me in the wings but we don't want to go like any further but then it's like when they realize like oh we're meant for each other there's like Oh, like this feels great. Like this is what we should have did like a long time ago. Like, yeah, you guys should have, and you didn't. You waited over twenty years, and for her character to have a kid, then and, and it's yeah, it was just it was a lot to even. It was a lot taken even for a film that was like not even that long. I felt like it dragged, and I really couldn't wait for it to end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> um. I think it's a vicious cycle because like you're saying, they don't have any chemistry yes. um, and they're not helped at all by the fact that they don't share a screen, share the screen except for two scenes. Right. Yeah. It's like the very opening scene in the very end. But apart from that, they're either on the phone or FaceTime. Exactly. And you can't develop chemistry between two actors who already don't have chemistry when you're not letting them share the scene and build a little bit of a rapport. Otherwise it's just like you're saying, it's, why am I buying in? Why am I rooting for this couple? Right. And it's like, you can't like throw in like the supporting cast too, as their friends, but, or like their friends or like exes or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. and they're like talking to like the opposite character. And it's like, it, to me, it still didn't work. It was just like, it was just, to me, it felt like there was like too much going on. And, and to me, it's like, you have a good cast, but it just, the writing wasn't hitting. Yeah. I, it, I think it says a lot that this is a rom-com. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it wants to be. Right. Um, but the big, the two characters who had the most chemistry was Ashton Kutcher and the kid. Um, exactly. I, I would say, I honestly would say that stuff worked to a certain degree. It felt like about a boy at, for cert, uh, in certain points. And it's like charming enough. But every time that they're sitting down watching Alien, uh, Reese Witherspoon calls and... Right. Uh, it gets taken away from the from the good the good part of the movie. And that was like one of the parts that I actually did like about the movie was the kid Jack. I I mm-hmm. actually appreciated uh Wesley Kimmel. Like his his honest performance like you know his performance as a 13-year-old kid. I felt like he was kind of like the reason why they kind of like worked because he made you believe like oh, his mom and this guy can like actually works because he sees how they are with each other. Even if it is through a, like through a phone call or through FaceTime, like he can see what they're not seeing. And it like kind of like deflates, I think to me when, um when they finally confess their feelings, I feel like the film like become deflated and just wish that it was like 30 minutes shorter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I yeah. just felt like you said, I felt like, with Jack and Peter, I felt like they should have had more of like more scenes together because you do see like that kind of a bond where like with Peter, like trying to be kind of like a father figure to Jack without trying to be his father. But it was like, it still worked because we realized this kid does need a father. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing at the end of the movie, I was rooting more for, him to have a stepfather than I was for the two main characters. Exactly. To I wanted them to have some kind of like good father, you know, son bond. Like I yeah. really didn't care about uh, their, their love and like their love. Like I didn't care about that. Yeah. Not at all. And besides all that, the lighting is terrible. Like there is no contrast between the subjects and their backgrounds at all. It all looks it really, really flat. Um, <laughs> and the humor also 
yeah even if even if a romance isn't working in a rom-com and i do i actually really love Mm rom-coms even if a romance isn't working a lot of the times i can just get by on some good humor but this is like laugh track sitcom level humor like the scene where reese witherspoon has her cocktail and she's like let me bring my tree over here it's like oh come on (laughs) where's the laugh track after this right it is just, and it's like the same thing with like um, Steve Zan as Zen, like her oh, saying yeah. next to her neighbor who was like taking care of her garden, but he had somebody else take care of his. It was just, mm-hmm. to me, that was like, it was laughable, but not good laughable. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. like you said, it should have been like, oh, laugh track. Like whenever she's like, her and her son are like walking towards the house and he's just like in the yard. Because I was like trying to figure out, I thought the guy was her gardener until. He was like, oh, no, like I made like a bunch of money off of I can't even remember what. But he was just like, oh, I made a lot of money and I have somebody else do my yard. And I'm like, does anybody else find this weird? Yeah, it's very weird. Very just doesn't make any sense, even in the world of, you know, rom-coms where nothing really makes sense. It it doesn't. It just threw me off because I was like, what was the point of his character? I think you're hitting something important about this and that there are like too many useless subplots side plots that just don't really work when they haven't even developed the the chemistry between the main two exactly like with uh reese witherspoon's cover uh character debbie like i get like with her job and everything but then for her to like uh find something of peter's like his book and like trying to get someone to like to uh you know the release it and then she finds out it's like this guy that she like finds like amazing and then like they start having their own chemistry like i literally believed her chemistry with her her other love interest than i did with her and ashton kusher which which happens to be jesse williams which i mean i mean hello it's jesse <laughs> but i felt like i believed them more than i believed reese and ashton kusher 100 percent. i think that's all i have to say about that it's just not very good it's <laughs> like it's not offensively bad it's not like i need to turn this off I right. held my attention in an odd way but not in a good way exactly um, i was like back and forth like on my phone track checking twitter and then i would look up and just be like it like i was kind of like all over the place but i was like gotta finish gotta finish it's, yeah. it's like one and done it was one of those one and done you hate to admit it, but that's one of those movies where it's like that. With that, I think we each have one more movie that we're going to spend a couple minutes on, um, and then we'll log off. My last movie is Somebody I Used to Know, the Dave Franco directed, uh, starring his wife, Allison Brie. Okay. It's another rom-com on Prime Video. I also thought this one was just okay, but I didn't have anything <laughs> from February that we weren't already talking about that I right. really liked. Um, I, I actually reviewed this one for the site and I only gave it five out of 10, but I think there's stuff there. And this is one, unlike your place or mine, where some mm-hmm. of the comedy does work, even when the rest of it isn't working. Right. Um, I find it entertaining enough. Alison Brie is a good performer. It has Danny Pudi. Jay Ellis is the other, uh, romantic interest in this. And he's also, he's solid, um, Okay. So like there, there are some solid performances. Um, Kiersey Clemens is in it. She she's actually really fun. I hadn't seen her in anything other than Justice League as Flash's love interest for like about oh, three seconds. Okay. I know who you're talking about. She's been in a few things. Um, uh, one would be um, what is that movie? Dope. Dope. She I don't think I dope. saw that one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah I didn't see that one. one. Yeah, that's another one. She was in there. She was pretty good in that. I'll have to check that one out. But yeah, so this is this uh, somebody I used to know. Solid time on Amazon. If you wanted to watch a rom-com recommended from this specific podcast, watch that and not your place or mine. Um, <laughs> Haley Joel Osment is also in it, speaking of The Sixth Sense, and he's easily the best part. He has like uh, some self-deprecating humor and uh, he he's very good in everything that he appears in. He's the best part of this. Yeah, he's a good actor. So yeah, for sure. What's what's your last movie here? Um, I have one. It is uh, Sharper. Um, it's a psychological oh. thriller. It's on Apple TV Plus. So if you have the chance to check it out, it has um, Julianne Moore, um, Sebastian Stan, Justice Smith, who's who I think is like 
one of those rising stars who are going to pr- do pretty great with their career. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you have John Livko and one particular actor I haven't heard of before. Her name is uh, Brianna Middleton. She has like a solid um, storyline in this movie, along with everybody else, because it's like one of those non-linear kind of films where they focus on the different characters, but they end up always in a way connecting with each other. And so with this film, it's basically um, without giving too much away because there's like a lot, but Mm. it's just basically like one of those uh, movies, like it says for like the premise, it just says like motivations are suspect and expectations are turned upside down as a con artist takes on a Manhattan billionaire. So anything goes when you hear the word con artists and billionaires. So it's like a lot of backstabbing, betrayal, murder. Like it's it's like all those things you get from a psychological theater, uh, thriller. Because to me, it kind of feels like one of those neo-noir kind of thrillers. But hmm. it's still, to me, I felt like it still kind of hold, it still, it still held up. Even though it was like, it's like four characters you just have to, well, actually, no, it's not four. Well, yeah, it's four characters one they use twice that's what it is it's four characters one they use twice but it all does make sense at the end okay this is the only one that we've talked about here that i haven't gotten the chance to see yet but it is on my watch list and i'm yes. give it a chance now yeah i'm more interested in it now that you've talked about it um the only other reviews i've read weren't as high but the way you were describing it um kind of has piqued my interest so yeah, because at first I I because I didn't really hear like a lot about it because I didn't even know it like came on until like one day I just was just watching like a bunch of movies that I wanted to catch up on and mm-hmm. as soon as I got on Apple TV it was like the first thing I saw and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm like I totally forgot about this film." So I was just like, "Let me just sit down while I had a chance to watch it and I it kept my interest, which I was like really happy about because I there's like a few people in this movie that I really enjoy." So right. So I was happy that I actually came out at the end of this movie, like actually enjoying it and like having a good time, like all the way at the end. It is kind of predictable when you kind of like, you do kind of like figure out who's playing who, but it's, it's still to me, it was one of those good, like whodunit kind of like kind of movies. So it sounds like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of angles to it. It is. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to check that out soon. It's been on the list for a few days and I've been needing to get to it. Yeah, I think with that, we're going to be all set with our review roundup for February. Uh, I'm hoping March is going to be better and the rest of the year is going to be better. So far, as the kids say, I think this year has been mid, um, but we're only two months in. (laughs) I'm hoping for more. (laughs) Yeah, we got got a lot of chances for it to improve, though. Yes, we do. Um, But with that, just a quick reminder that the Sith Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. If you're interested in writing for sifpop.com or if you want to get in contact with us, then email us at writersroom at sifpop.com. You can join me next month as I talk with Sifpop writer Jake to discuss some of the biggest movies of March. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. But until next time, we have to get back to the writer's room. <laughs>